Good morning, Eugene. Hey, good morning. How's that coffee doing? I'm actually doing a Soylent today. It's like a, it has caffeine in it, but it's like a meal replacement type smoothie thing. You know, thing. you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I know a lot about Soylent. Are you anti-Soylent for some reason? No, um, when I was in my MBA uh, program, Soylent was just launching and they didn't launch like immediately when we were doing a case on them, but <clears throat> they were launching. And so we were supposed to pick a, uh, a company or product or service that um, didn't launch yet and basically create a marketing plan or whatever for it. And Soylent was one of the uh, products for another group in, in my cohort. And then um, we used the same case for our group. We basically borrowed it from one of the, one of the guys for another class, like communications class or something. <laughs> so I know a lot about Soylent. Yeah. It's, it's pretty convenient if you can get over like the adjustment period that your stomach needs to drink it. <laughs> well, what I know about it is that you can survive pretty much. You can live on it. Like you don't have to have any other nutrients and food and stuff like that, which is, which is cool, but um, how expanded or extended, I guess, there is their taste choices or flavor choices or something? I mean, they have a bunch of flavors. We tend to go with the original or the one with, like, caffeine. But I don't think anyone's surviving on this. It's more for, like, laziness. I didn't want to cook breakfast and grind coffee and, you know, brew the coffee. So I just pulled out a bottle from the fridge. I see. That's interesting. Okay. Well, so Eugene, um, what do you want? What did you want to talk about today? We can do taxes. I haven't, I haven't started mine yet because I keep getting these emails. How? Oh, just wait a week and you'll be able to auto import, you know, whatever it is, account into whatever tax software I'm going to use. So I guess I've been procrastinating. And I set a reminder for next Monday to, like, start them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I had such a terrible experience last year. That Why? It, like, there, there was something messed up with my form. And I had to, like, call the people. And they basically told me to just, like, restart the whole thing. I think in the end, I uh, it wasn't, like, an exception. I think I said that I had withheld some amount of money that I didn't and the people like couldn't figure out like what I did wrong. Cause I, it, it, it was supposed to like give me back something like 50 K or something. And I knew that wasn't right. And I called them and I was like, please, can you help me just like not commit tax fraud? And they're like, nah, just restart it. We don't know what you did. And I'm like, come on guys. <laughs> I talked to like multiple people. It wasn't, it wasn't fun. And last year's return was really easy. One state. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was one state. It was. Uh, oh no! And then, <laughs> and then we had to uh, to like pay the difference because my my wife's boss didn't withhold anything. So we had to like catch her up to my tax bracket. So we had to file like an amended return because he sent us a W two late because he like switched companies halfway through the year. It really wasn't a fun time. And, and and this year, I hope it'll be fine. And I, I remember, like, I, I think I sold some cryptocurrency, but it was in, like, 
the dollars amount, so I should be able to find it pretty easily. Hopefully. <laughs> I think it's all in one place. I don't have any like random wallets or anything, so I'm I'm assuming that it'll be normal. Cause now we have just two W twos and like that's basically it. So Oh well but you have a couple of states, right? Again. Yeah. I have to do New York and Connecticut. But maybe we'll get some money back from us moving and then like because I was paying city tax and then we should get that money back for the months that we weren't living in the city. So I I don't know. I'm not I'm not looking forward to this. <laughs> well, yours is very, very simple, which is why I don't really do any of those. Because, um, like, it's just not, there's no value that I can provide as an accountant to that type of return. It's just plugging numbers into the tax return. Yeah. But this year, I mean, I actually was, yesterday, um, I have this service that basically reporters request, um, I guess, pitches they request um information from experts and stuff like that and once in a while i get um something that's relevant in my field and and yesterday there was a request from one of the newspapers about the intricacies of filing 2020 taxes because of everything that's happened in 2020 and um and i pitched the reporter i mean i know that she read it um but she also had a bunch of other um pitches looks like anyway um in 2020, especially if you were a small business, there were like a lot of different things. There were the different loans and grants and stuff like that. But also if you were a regular person and you, let's say, lost your job or whatever, um, the unemployment um, may be tricky this year. So I felt like, you know, I, I basically pitched this woman um, with all of that. Just saying that this year, like this year's IRS is like super late on starting the tax season usually it starts accepting e-file in like last days of january this year it's actually february 12th and then i never file kind of like the first two weeks of uh, when it starts accepting it because there are always different like things that they forgot that they've missed and now you have to amend and stuff like that so i always wait and most accountants um wait um to to file so that you don't have to amend because amendment, at least it used to be on paper um, only in July. And it's, it's 2021. Um, in July of last year, we got like 2019, you could amend electronically, but all of this time, the amendments were on paper. So I'm sure you know that. Mm. Yeah, it was really, it was really fun sending like a very large paper check in the mail to a random address. <laughs> Didn't feel good <laughs> um yeah so like it's it's very last century even though we're in 2021 the irs is still kind of a lot behind on technology and stuff but anyway so you always want to prevent having to amend um because it's just hustle that you don't like nobody wants and needs and stuff so um we always wait um at least a week or two until they figure out because it happened many times when the irs was like oh you know, this was set up incorrectly because the software companies basically follow, reprogram their, their systems based on the IRS regulations. So and it's, kind of, it's interesting for you to know because you're kind of on the software development 
Um, so basically, side. Uh, so basically, when um, the IRS issues new stuff, um, the accountants interpret it, and then the programmers have to program it into the system, right? Um, so typically, like the IRS can be like, "Oh, we forgot this thing, so now you have to amend to make it correct." And it's like, like why? Why? <laughs> So I usually wait, and most um, good accountants wait um, for a week or two until after the IRS starts e-filing. But this year it's like super late because um, business tax returns are due March 15th for pass-through businesses. So like it doesn't give you a lot of room to like work um, really um, because you can't e-file. So you still have that pending. You have to go back to it, maybe review it again or whatever. So it's kind of like painful that way when are regular taxes due so people are due april 15 but um, companies are due a month before to give accountants a time to take the business reporting and then put it into the personal and stuff and mm. finish personal i see but yeah i usually do it right away but this year i guess i'm waiting for something i don't really understand why we have any of this like it, it seems confusing on purpose but it's not think about it i mean um the tax nobody can do like an overhaul of a tax code like and be like oh well let's just cancel years and decades and, and centuries of laws and let's just replace it with this one rate it doesn't happen that way um, but I feel like the American tax system is much more fair than, let's say, Russian or UK or whatever. I don't know about many more of those, but I do know about UK and I do know about the Russian tax system. So it's a little bit more um, fair. Um, the American tax system is geared towards small businesses. Problem is, not all accountants know all of the provisions that apply to the small business. And then not all of the accountants are able to realistically speaking, think about your tax return twice during this crunch time, because the typical accounting kind of setup, um, accounting industry setup, I guess is for traditional firms is, you know, to make a decent living, you have to take a lot of clients that only pay you once a year. And, um, Basically, but then they have access to you throughout the year. Oh, you're my accountant. Let me ask you a question. And then multiply that by three, four hundred. It's insane. Yeah, like this sounds like a terrible system. It is. It is a terrible system. So I moved away from that um, about three years ago. I work with clients more uh, comprehensively throughout the year. So we talk every week or every month. I update their books every week or every month or every day for some and it's a much higher revenue clients. So clients range anywhere from 18,000 to 70,000 a year, um, you know, per client. And it allows me to work with much less clients. I still have a lot of other clients because I really do have great relationships with all my clients. So I do have those once a year ones, but, um, eventually I'll have someone who will just prepare, you know, cause preparing taxes is a lot of strategy. A lot of, you have to, um, kind of spend time to make sure that you evaluate the concepts correctly. But then after that's been done, it's plugging numbers into a software. So 
for those clients who are once a year, eventually it's going to be, you know, somebody else handling in my, on my staff handling their filings so that I don't even have to worry about it. But think about it this way. If someone has 300 clients, right, during tax season, imagine all of those filings crammed into this two-month period. Because realistically speaking, nobody really starts filing taxes until mid-Feb or so because you're getting, you're still getting forms, you're getting all this crap, you're getting all the statements and closing the books or whatever. And then you, you're crammed, cramming the 300 people, 300 people, businesses, whatever, into two months. You don't have time to sit and think, well, what else can be done for this person? You're like, oh yeah, I should talk to this person later. And then that never happens. That's what usually, that's how usually it works. And um, because of that, people often don't take advantage of all the provisions that are out there. And I don't want to call them loopholes because loopholes kind of has a, this negative feel to it. But they, there are, American tax code is geared towards um, small business. There are a lot of provisions. And when I, when I went through technical training for tax planning about three years ago, um, when I went through that training, um, I learned about a number of those things that typical accountants have never even heard about. So it's just, it's just um, this tradition of um, the accounting service as it's been, it's changing, but it's slowly changing. There's about maybe a thousand of us who were trained in one, by one comp when one institute kind of on this technical stuff, there's maybe a thousand more on the other one, but that's it. There's over, I don't remember what the number is. I think there's like 400,000, 700,000 professionals um, that do taxes or something like that. So imagine like only a couple of thousand actually doing stuff for you proactively. And it requires some change in the people's brains too. Like you have to change your mindset a little bit about around accounting and, and, and stuff. But, but basically it's, you know, it's, it's the way things have been, have never really helped small businesses take advantage of the tax code. Um, there are things there that you can structure with multi-entities and family limited partnerships and C-corporations. And I mean, a lot of different words, but there are a lot of things that you can, you can create a system if you take the time so that you can transfer more wealth to your loved ones if you want to um, support them and get a deduction for it, that kind of stuff. But then also think about the personal side of things. In UK, for example, whether you're married or not doesn't matter. Every person kind of um, gets their paycheck and taxes are taken out based on whatever, them, like the, the amount of money they make, right? Uh, regardless of their children or dependents or anything else. In the American system, that wouldn't work, at least not now, because um, when taxes get taken out, you have to consider a person's st filing status, children's status, dependent status, or whatever. And it's more fair, I think. Because think about it. Um, if someone has is supporting, let's say, um, a parent or two, or and or has two, three children, the small children, they need more help than everybody else. They have more expenditures than everybody else, so they need a little more break. I mean, we're not talking about tens of thousands of dollars of breaks. We're talking about a thousand or two, something that's um, small but still significant for a family, let's say, of you know a number of dependents. 
and everyone's circumstances are different. Someone got disabled, sick or whatever, and it's out of their control. Like children is under your control most of the time, but um, dependence and other things, circumstances in life are, are out of your control. So um, I think it's more fair uh, this way. And yes, there are different layers and pillars, but it's just because um, every, well, almost, I guess, every administration adds something else to it to change this one thing. And then everything else stays the same, right? Next administration comes in, we're going to change this one thing, different thing. Um, and it, it happens over and over every like four to eight years. So I, I actually think that American system is much more uh, fair and much more supportive of um, circumstances in life, um, whatever, life circumstances, I guess, or whatever. I don't know. I guess my experience has been just don't think too hard about it and do the standard deduction. <laughs> but that's also the life that I've, I don't want to say chosen, but kind of stumbled into where like I try real hard to stay on the, the easy, not complicated side of things. And whenever I hear things about like the Bitcoin stuff where you have to like do this form that isn't given to you or like now a lot of like looking at houses now and I'm like, Oh, is that going to be annoying for taxes? And I'm like, well, maybe it'll be another form and it'll be fine. But I'm almost hoping never to have to get out of the standard deduction zone. Cause actually the power it, isn't itemized. <laughs> sorry. The power isn't itemized deductions. I like, I, I understand. <laughs> And maybe at some point I'll have enough of these deductions that I'll have to do something about them. But like, I have no, I guess, problems with taxes. You just pay them. You hope for the best. Like, I don't even think about it. Like, I'm not worried about it. It's just this thing that I have to do once a year. And like, you can think of the greater political sort of like lobbying effort that kind of grosses me out. But on a on like a personal level taxes are like at most one day's worth of work for me a year and at that point like i don't i don't i don't want to go deeper into it and i understand that my situation is simple and stuff but it, it really like when i see all this complexity and all like the different lobbying people for their little deductions and I, like, I, I see how this happened, <laughs> but it just rubs me the wrong way, and I want to stay as far away from it as I can. Well, here's a different perspective for you. You said that you know you want to, you are hoping to stay in the standard deduction, but what I want to challenge you to think about is when you're in a standard deduction, basically, you um, basically you pay the mortgage interest the real estate taxes on your home or whatever, and it doesn't give you any tax additional tax benefits. So you are in the same boat as someone who pays just rent or lives for free. They get the same exact um, deduction that you do. So to me, I mean, yes, it simplifies things for many people, but at the same time, charitable giving is very much affected because people People like to give, but they also like to um, get deductions for their giving. And it's understandable, you know. Um, so when 
when this change was made, this is actually one of the changes that I don't like from the reform. Although I understand that it, it creates different things for, for whatever, for, um, for different people, but um, basically charitable giving now is pointless unless you're giving away a ton of money because right now, just like with mortgage interest, just like with the taxes, just like with the emergency medical, you don't get any benefit whatsoever. I mean, you're talking about tax benefit, right? Well, well, yeah. So basically, you pay tax and then use the after-tax money to pay for the for the real estate taxes, for mortgage interest and stuff. You don't effectively get a deduction for it. Right. And like when I think about charitable giving or paying my rent or mortgage or whatever, I... I don't want to think about it through a tax perspective. I just want to think of it like, oh, I have a house. This is a thing that I want. Oh, I want to give to this charity. This is a thing that I want. It's just like a purchase, basically. Well, I always thought think- it was weird that you get deductions and there's like different kinds of corporations that some are tax exempt. Some have like better ta- Like none of this actually makes any sense to me. I'm sure it makes sense in like the course of history about how this actually happened. But like if I support someone or give to a like a foundation or a cause or something, I I don't really care if I get a deduction or not. Like that's not why I'm giving money. Well, and a I, lot I, of people. Yeah, no, I, I get that, but I don't know. It it doesn't feel right. The same, a similar thing. I I guess I see is with the um, it's not four hundred one k. It's the the other one. Is it IRA? Well, How, like at the end of the year, everyone like scrambles to put away money in the IRA. And I I also never got that. Like if, if you weren't thinking about this the entire year and all of a sudden someone, you like read a, like a newspaper article or see a headline that like, oh, you could put away this money and it'll be tax, whatever. I, I have a hard time sort of thinking about charitable giving or even retirement saving in terms of taxes. Because it just feels gross. I don't. You, I just want to, to do learn, the thing. You you just you need to learn up a little bit on that, um, because because it's actually those strategies are super great because um, someone who's in let's say thirty seven percent bracket, if they can put away two hundred thousand dollars in um, retirement, which which under certain circumstances they can, that's seventy four grand of tax per year. But then when you take it out. Uh, when you retire, you can actually pay less tax. Let's say you don't have to take out the whole 200000 Plus, even if you take 200000 out a year, you will pay maybe 33% tax. And that's a huge difference. So it's definitely one of those techniques. I mean, there's a number of techniques that you've never heard about and probably never will. But those are awesome because um, it encourages people to put set money aside for themselves as opposed to relying on Social Security, which probably will not be there for me and you. I mean, this might be a different topic, but anything that has to do with the government, I don't really want to rely on. So even this like 401k thing, I like, sure it's my money that's going into like a brokerage account or whatever, but like, I'm not relying on this like magical tax incentive that they're selling. Same thing with social security. Like I'm, I'm paying for it. I'm, I'm doing all the things, but if some administration 20 years from now says something that's going to change, I'm, 
I, I, I can't rely on the government to look out for me. Well, the, the like retirement is not. The, the retirement accounts are not government. They're yours. So right. that's why then, they, wanna, yeah. they want you to do it. Right. But then like this like tax incentive that, you know, you could put money before taxes or it can be like a Roth where you don't pay any taxes later. All that stuff could change just like with laws. And I don't, yeah, I, I just, I just don't like relying on the government for stuff like that. Well, like I said, you're not relying on the government and property rights are the top rights in the United States, which is why it's, um, it's been a great country, country of laws and, um, and so on, and property ownership. Um, as opposed to, for example, in Russia, somebody can come in and just take your stuff from you and, and that's it. I feel like comparing the U.S. to Russia is a little bit of a stretch because the governments and the history of the countries are so different that... Like, it also makes sense what's happening in Russia if you look at, like, the historical way that it developed. So, we yeah, like, but you, you should compare America something closer to, I don't, I, I kind of want to say Canada, because, like, we're in the same geographical region, and we have sort of, like, a similar history of sort of colonialism and all that, and, like, Russian history is so different, and it's older, and there's this, like, history of monarchs and sort of poverty where in america the 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 story is different it is but um the fact that like i grew up in socialism i know what it's like i don't want to ever live in socialism again um so i you know the, it you can't cancel my experience with socialism and and or whatever 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 it is I have something to compare it to. So for most people who live in the United States, um, who grew up here, were born here and stuff like that, um, it's very easy to say, well, this would work really nicely, but you know what? I've been there, done this kind of thing. <laughs> That's the why I compare it. Like yeah, the, but it doesn't negate anything, everything else. Because like the laws, like the way that, the way that law is sort of built up is over time you have, you know, precedence and historical context and why are there all these weird laws? Well, because, you know, 200 years ago, this weird thing happened and someone passed a law. And, like, the law precedent and the, like, the spirit of the law is very different in America and, you know, Russia and England. Like, they all have different sort of histories of how they got there and the precedence of which like branches of government there are and what they do and comparing countries that are so not in even like the same time zone. Like America is a very new country relative to, I guess, well, not really because the Soviet union and then there was the czar situation. So then like now we have this weird new government. So like it keeps changing where America was sort of not stable, but it, it was, it was consistent. So it's like, a, I guess America is an older country than the current Russia. But I think it's important to think about the histories of how we got there. And same thing with taxes. Like our tax system is complicated because it's just old. You you keep building and adding and adding and adding. And at some point, I would just say, tear it down, try again. But you can't easily because we have like a distributed system of government here where every state has its own laws and every county has their own little thing and 
my town has a random car tax that I've discovered. So like your town that, or your state? No, like my city. Or I guess it's no. a town. Connecticut has um, a state tax on cars. Yeah, but this is different. This is like city specific. Like our little town, we have like a little sticker that we can park at the beach or something. And if you want that sticker, you have to pay this extra tax. None of this actually makes any sense to me, but it, like I, I do appreciate the distributed nature of the states get to choose stuff and I get to decide where I live. Like I was very happy to move out of New York City and not pay the like three or something percent. Four. Four percent just living in the city tax. Like I just got like a pretty big raise. <laughs> so, well, listen. If you're if people are listening to this and they've gotten PPPs or unemployment, if they got unemployment, I just want to share something and we can wrap this up because the topic we kind of deviated a little bit and it's okay. Um, if you've gotten unemployment, I would wait a little bit. There is a bill proposed that would make some of it non-taxable, and then if you file it, you'll have to amend it. And then if you've gotten PPP, you'll have to kind of figure out with your accountant whether or not you should take that in 2020, deal with it, or 2021. So just be aware of that because as we get into the grind of tax season, we are almost there. Um, Accountants will have less and less time to really discuss this. So that's something that I wanted to leave people with. Yeah, doesn't doesn't sound fun. <laughs> it's not fun. I'll be honest with you. That, that part of my job wasn't fun at all that last year, but it is what it is. It's a job. It's job security or whatever. Um, <laughs> so we have to just deal with it. All right, Eugene, I'll talk to you next week. Yep, see you. Bye.